remember, it's a number of years ago now, but I can still remember an email conversation that I had with someone at work. Um, there was some tension in the email conversation. It was one of those things where I was, I was trying to sort of get the organisation to do a certain thing this direction and the other person didn't like that. They wanted the organisation to go in this direction. It was kind of a, a to and fro about, um, about the way this would work and each of us sort of making our case and whatever. And um, I was emailing my boss sort of on the side trying to get his support for, for what I wanted the organisation to do. And I knew that this person was emailing their boss too, trying to get their boss on board to get the organisation, some of you know like the way this works, trying to get the organisation to go the way that they wanted to do. And you know the way these email things work is that after you've been doing this sort of for a while with the backwards and forwards, you end up with these great long emails of you know all the replies and the replies and the replies to the replies to the replies and whatever. And at one point, at one point in that conversation, I realised, I think I realised it because the subject line had changed in the email. I realised that the person had responded to me by forwarding me the email that they'd been having with their boss. <laughs> right? No longer were they responding to my last email with them. They'd taken the email that had come back from their boss and they'd forwarded that on to me with their response. Which meant that when I scrolled down the email... I could read all the things that, these, that this person and their boss were saying about me. I could read all the things. I got to know exactly what this person thought about me. I got to know really what they thought about my idea. Um, and I got to know what their boss thought about me and thought about my idea. Have you ever been in that place? You ever been in that place? <laughs> I want to talk about how that went, but... <clears throat> This moment where all of a sudden you find out what people really think about you. Because I don't know about you, but there's a part of you that, that sort of secretly wishes, I wonder what people really think of me. Have you ever thought that? You know, I wonder what my parents really think of me. Like, not what they say about me when I'm there, but when mum and dad are sort of, uh, you know, alone in their room and they're talking about their kids, what do they really say about me then? What do my friends really think about me? I know what they say about me when I'm around, but, you know, when my friends are, are, are talking about me, you know, we might call it behind my back, but when they're talking about me, when I'm not there at that party uh, or, or, or at that game, what do they really say about me then? What does my boss really think about me? You know, I know what they write on my performance review and, you know, Matt's good at this and Matt can improve that, but... What do they really think about? What are the things that they don't say, but they actually really think about me? And I wonder, have you ever, ever asked, ever wondered, I wonder what God really thinks about me? Because in, in, in churches and places, we talk a lot about what we think about God. And there are uh, thousands of people, maybe hundreds of thousands of people, creating YouTube videos and podcasts and, and, uh, and, you know, all sorts of things, writing books all about what we think about God. But how often do we stop and ask, what does God think about us? We talk about what we think about God, but what does God think about us? If you could take God out for a coffee and ask him quietly, what do you really think about Matt? What would God say? We're going to explore the answer to that question in this series.
We're going to look at some of the things that God says about us, some of the things that God says about me, some of the things that God says about you. So grab your Bible and your notebook and we're going to jump right in. Because I reckon if I could take God out for a coffee and ask him about you, if I could say, God, what do you really think about Beck? God, what do you really think about Steve, about Megan, about Ross? I think one of the first things that God would say is, well, they're my child. Steve, oh, Steve, Steve's my child. Virginia, yeah, I know Virginia. She's my child. John wrote it this way. Uh, This is John 1, verse 12 in your Bibles. John wrote, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Paul quotes God saying uh, in 2 Corinthians 6, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters. God looks at those who follow him and he sees his children. When a person says yes to God, when a person uh, puts God first in their life, when a person says to God, you can take control of my life, the relationship that they enter into with God at that point, God says is like the relationship between a father and a child. Paul wrote it this way in his letter to the church in Rome. Uh, This is Romans 8 verse 14. He said, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit received brought about, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the word Abba there, is, it's an Aramaic word. It's the language that, that Jesus spoke most of the time. It's an Aramaic word for Father, but it's the more, um, it's the more relaxed word for Father. It's more like, in our language, it's more like the word Dad. God calls you my child. Not just a child. God's just not saying like you're like a child. God says, you are my child. And he invites you to call him dad. Now, I want to be honest and say, if you've been around church for a while, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, but you've grown up around a Christian understanding or a Christian worldview of God, then this phrase, the child of God, it might sound a bit like a churchy cliche. You know, it might be the sort of thing that you hear sung in a song or that someone like me stands up the front of somewhere like this and, you know, says, says this word, child of God. And it might seem like it's a nice idea, but it's a bit like whatever. But I want to tell you, when people first heard that phrase, And in fact, for most people who live in the world today, that idea is absolutely stunning. That is a drop the mic, are you serious description of the God that we worship. Because you see, most ancient gods, and in fact, most gods that people worship today are anything but the image of a father. Most ancient gods, they were seen as, uh, as maybe as warriors. 
you know, as strong sort of violent dictators, the kind of gods that you wanted to steer away from because they were dangerous. Or, or, or other gods might have been seen as um, uh, sort of as, as an impersonal deity. You know, they, they, were, they were sort of, they were a long way off. They didn't really know you and, and, and you would spend your time and some people in many religions still do today. You spend your time trying to make offerings and trying to do the right thing, trying to get that distant God to recognise you and to know who you are. And life is one sort of mission to say, hey, God over there, remember me down here. Or for some people, the idea of God and particularly a lot of the sort of the new age religions, um, God is... Uh, an impersonal spiritual force. There's no real relationship that you have with God. God's a bit more like gravity. Do you know what I mean? As in, it's just there. It controls the way the world works. But you you don't have a relationship with gravity. There's nothing personal in that. It just is the way it is. And you've you've got to use that and work with gravity in the way that you live. The idea that God knows you intimately. The idea that God cares for you personally. The idea that God invites you to call him father. The idea that God says, treat me like your dad, is crazy for most people across almost all of history. But that's how the God of the Bible instructs us to call him. That's how the God that we worship in this place says, this is how you're to treat me and this is what I think of you. John says it this way when he says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. I love that phrase. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. Now, I get that for some people, the idea of us as a child and God as a father is a tricky one. Because for some of us, the idea of that father-child relationship isn't a particularly positive one. I mean, maybe through divorce or disinterest, you've got a father who, when you hear a father says, my child, it doesn't mean a lot of care or attention. It doesn't mean a lot of anything. It's just a sort of a statement of some biological connection, but that's about it. Sadly, some people have got abusive fathers. Some people have grown up and they've never heard a father say, I love you. And actually, the idea of of a father and a child, that kind of relationship, is actually a painful one, not just a a sort of a a nothing one. It's It's actually a negative one. It's a painful feeling. And I want to say to anyone who's in this place, to people who are watching us online, if that's you, I'm genuinely sorry for that. I've talked with lots of people over the years who've been in that place and I get how tough that is. What I want you to see today is that when God describes you as his child, when God sets himself up as a father, he's not comparing himself to your biological father. He's inviting you to think about the most wonderful father figure that you can imagine. And maybe for you, maybe you're one of those people who that is your dad. You can look at your, your, your earthly dad and go, wow, you know, I, I kind of get that's a, a great image of the way God is to me. 
But maybe if you, you need to look at someone else's dad, you know, you look at a friend's dad or a dad you know, and you go, that's the kind, now I get it. Maybe it's a dad that you read about in a book or see on TV. Maybe it's just a dream. Maybe it's, you know, it's an imaginary vision for you of what a perfect father can look like. What I want you to see today is that God is inviting you to see him not as your earthly father, but to see him as a perfect heavenly father. That's what I want you to see when you hear God say, you are my child. Because the thing is, when God says, you are my child, that's a phrase, that's an image that invites a response from us. Because the father-child relationship is a two-way relationship, isn't it? Like it always begins with the parent. Like it begin, it's a parent that loves the child first. It begins with, with a father loving the child. It's a parent that calls out child before a child calls out father. It's the parent that takes the initiative. But it's a child that responds to the love of a father, that responds with love and with trust. I mean, at least, you know, in this, in this perfect picture of the way things should work, right? Matthew remembers when Jesus talked about it like this. Jesus called, he's speaking to a group of people, and he calls a child to him. There's a child in the crowd. He calls the child, come here, come here. Has the child stand in the middle of the group. And he placed the child among them, and he said, Truly I tell you, talking to the adults now, unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Of God. Here's the point I want you to catch today is that these words, when you hear the words, you are my child, these words should change everything for us. When you hear God describe you as my child, it changes God from being a distant force out there and it moves God into the place of being an intimate, personal father in your life and I want you to hear today that God thinks about you the way that a perfect father would think about his child whatever you've done whatever you think about yourself if you will drop your defences and run to him he will open his arms and he will embrace you as a father does, as a perfect father does a child. He's not waiting for you to earn his love. He's not waiting for you to get things right before he'll sort of accept you in. He doesn't look at your behaviour and then decide, well, are they good enough to, you know, are they good enough to be called a child or not? My 15-year-old daughter was rushed to hospital this week following a complication from a routine surgery. My wife took her in on Thursday afternoon, evening, and stayed with her uh, sort of till she went to sleep Thursday night. And then we tag-teamed on Friday morning, and I went in to spend the day with her on Friday. And I want to tell you, I had my Friday all planned out. I had a whole stack of things to do. I had a couple of meetings with people, uh, things that were important to me, right? It was all sorted my Friday. But what do you think I did when Ebony needed help and she was in hospital? I cancelled it all. I dropped it all in a moment and I went to be with her. Why? 
because she's my child. I didn't ask myself, well, has she been a good girl this week? Do you know what I mean? I didn't ask, did she empty the dishwasher this week when I asked her to? Yeah, probably not. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you to her sister in the front row. I didn't ask, is the floor of her room clean? I didn't ask, is she up to date with her homework? I just went. I didn't go because she's been good. I didn't go because she's measuring up. I went because she's my child. That's how God sees you. That's how God sees me and it's how God sees you. It's how God sees anyone who has said yes to him. When God thinks about you, the best word that he can find to describe you is my child. And in saying that, he invites a response from you. He's inviting you to sort of run to him and to leap into his open arms. Not because you're good enough, but because that's who he is. That's the kind of God that he is. Does that difference make sense? It's a father saying, it doesn't matter what you've done, you're still mine. It's a father who says, I don't care how smart or how successful is, you're still mine. It's a father who says, I don't care what you look like, I don't care who your friends are, I don't care about any of that sort of stuff. You're mine. That's all that matters. When you say yes to God, you become his child. That's what God thinks about you. And that should be the most amazing thing that you've ever heard. I'm going to invite you to respond to that now, to give you an opportunity to respond and to sit with that now. Um, I'm going to invite Beck and Roz and Steph. Um, I'm going to invite them to sing a song over us. Um, You've got the the words in front of you. The song's called Run to the Father. Um, You can sing along with this if you like, but you can also use this as a time just to sit and to be with God. You might want to take out your notepad or your phone and just make some notes. As you hear this, this, the, the words of this song, what does it mean to you? What's God saying to you? You know, we believe in this church that God is alive, that he's active and that he speaks to us. That This kind of idea of being a child of God, it's not just about information. This is about transformation. You know, this is about God wanting to do something in you. You might want to ask yourself, what does it mean for me to hear God say, my child over my life? You might want to ask yourself, how do I respond to that? You might want to ask yourself, how do I respond to that? How should I respond to that? Or you might want to do none of that. You might want to simply in this moment, in your own mind and heart, just run to the Father. Just run into the arms of a God that is sitting there with his arms open wide saying, I just want to hold you because you're mine.